time to start the national, full-blown conversation about reparations in this country. That's Elizabeth Hall at her town hall last night that Elizabeth, she did on uh, Warren. What did I say? Elizabeth Hall. That's interesting. I don't think Elizabeth Hall is running, but I'll call her. That's I'll interesting. Ask. It's a Wonder Freudian Warren's slip. A little Tim, Tim Apple moment there. Is that a is that a Freudian slip? No, I don't think just, it is. You're just thinking too fast for your mouth. Yeah. You need to slow down your thinking. Or, or, <laughs> or what? I'm stupid. <laughs> stupid people do that a lot. Um, that was Elizabeth Warren at her town hall on CNN last night. Elizabeth Town at her Warren Hall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huge applause for that line for slave reparations, and Bernie's for that. And um, no, no, Bernie's not for that. He wants to change economic It'll system. It never work. He wants to change the economic system that's more fair to everybody, but says that's, you know, just unworkable. Yeah, because class, it is. Oh, it's an impossibility. Anybody who touts it is out of their minds. Julian Castro, who's running for president, you may have forgotten. He may have forgotten. <laughs> um, I'm what? <laughs> he bashed Bernie for not being strong enough, you know, coming out for slave reparations. But there's a number of candidates that are for it. And it, wow. Your classic socialists are, are, they say it can't be about race. That would pervert the struggle. It's got to be about class. That's the way they come at it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Reparations are completely, wildly, almost hilariously unworkable. Stop talking about one it. One of the only reasons I wanted to play that Elizabeth Warren thing is, and I saw Cory Booker on with Chris Matthews yesterday being interviewed. I like watching these candidate interviews. I'm not going to give them all a lot. I'll give them all like one. <laughs> I just want to, you know, mm-hmm. get an idea what they're like. And he was really good on with Chris Matthews. He's a smart guy who's thought about a lot of these issues a lot and has particular positions on a whole bunch of them pretty detailed, mm-hmm. which is not surprising as a guy who's a Rhodes Scholar and all that sort of stuff. Elizabeth Warren, that's a that's a controversial stance, but, you know, she's making a, a go of it. Beto other than things that are just, you know, of course, everybody on your side agrees with this, raising the minimum wage or anything like that. He he would not answer any questions with sleepy eyes Chuck Todd on Meet the Press the other day. Mm. And that's what he's getting beat up for by the new Republican slate is he just he's not taking a position on stuff. I'm for that, getting together. I'm for a conversation. I'm for getting together to decide how to go forward to make the America we all dream of. That's what he's in favor of. And it's either he stands for nothing and he's got nothing, like the New Republic says, or Slate says, or Politico said over the weekend. Or, as you said earlier, it might be a strategy. It might just be, look, policies is not how you get elected Sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd. How about you just don't eliminate various people by coming out and uh, saying something they hate, and you get elected. At first, I thought he was just vacuous. I thought he didn't have any ideas. He just believes his own charm and personality are so powerful and amazing and wonderful that he should lead the world. In an era where charm and personality that is wonderful has won a number of elections. Sleeping son of a bitch, I'll tell you. Easy there, Mr. Potus, sir. Remember when Hillary was being driven crazy by a young Barack Obama in 2008 and saying, I've got a lifetime of positions and policies. He's got a speech. Hmm. Right. It's a pretty good speech. <laughs> yeah, and it was a really good speech. Well, plus uh, youth, plus white guilt, plus your Hillary Clinton. So anyway, plus I, he didn't take strong positions on a bunch of different stuff. He was an empty you, vessel. So you right. could assign what you love to him. 
I'm looking at and Beto's assume he style, agrees with you. And I'm thinking now he's not just vacuous. I, this has got to be a strategy. He answers every position question with, I don't know, but that's something we should be debating. We need to talk seriously about that issue. Um, you can ask him about immigration. You can ask him about uh, reparations. You can ask him about the Green New Deal. And he'll say something really vague, like they they asked him about immigration, and then... And uh, and he, he, he put out a list of 10 ideas for immigration and border reform, but it made it clear that there are ideas that we really need to talk about. We need to have a debate. Asked about the Green New Deal. He called the proposal, quote, a perfect point from which to start a conversation, but then left the conversation there. He has no positions on um, on what should or should not be implemented. They asked him about uh, the possibility of raising the Social Security retirement age to 69, and he said that's... An idea we need to discuss. It's a serious possibility. And so, so when Slate, which is a big-time lefty publication, Christopher Hitchens used to work for it. I mean, it was, it's, it's pretty influential among smart people. Their headline, Beto 2020, has no reason to exist. Right. Are they just missing his strategy? I think they're afraid that he, well, they might concede that that incredible maddening vagueness is a strategy, and they might even concede that it's a good one, but they're afraid he doesn't believe anything, that he has no principles, he has no morals, he has no policy ideas. He is just a handsome, charming guy, period, and you end up with an airhead in the White House. I doubt he's an airhead, but I don't know. it's possible that he hasn't uh, that he hasn't come up with positions on a lot of these things. I've known a number of people who are utterly charming, and that's it. Beyond that, they really don't have much going for them. And if they're smart or lucky, they find themselves in a world where being utterly charming is exactly what they well, need. Well, tell me this, though. Do you think that's a good strategy or not? I think it's a good strategy. I think we're at a time where policy positions don't matter. I'm really interested to watch. He's like Beto. He's over here not answering. If you can be. <laughs> I'm going to study wow. that. Wow. I, I think that question is a great one, Jack, <laughs> and one we really need to seriously talk about. I, I will be so interested to see whether the I have no positions position will will work. This is going to be kind of fun to watch. Uh, I heard an interview with old Amy Klobuchar from uh, frozen Minnesota. And uh, I have not uh, stepped back an inch from my uh, stated position that she's very sharp and will she will be a factor. They're still trying to pitch that absolutely idiotic she's mean to her staff uh, meme. I think that, that helps She's her. had a couple of staffers say she's like totally mean to me and she would like yell if we screwed stuff up. I actually, and it's just pathetic, and it reminds me very much of our Hillary, or not Hillary Clinton, our Chelsea Clinton discussion of if anybody acts mad, you've got to, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're wrong. Just because you're mad doesn't mean you're right. I never say this, but I think the attacks on her being mean to her staff actually might be sexist. I just don't see that getting traction with a guy. Right. Or they might, you know, they might help with swing voters. I think it. I mean, because if you have freaking Bateau. With his good looks and his his really substandard skateboarding skills, and <laughs> old tight trucks, <laughs> old tight trucks O'Rourke, and uh, and and the rest of it, you got a gal who comes off as a hard ass. That's not a bad thing. I don't think it is.
I think I think the narrative might be a weird sexism by the media. I don't think the voters will respond that way. How many voters do you know who, having heard, oh, she's a tough gal, I guess she's a real butt kicker. I mean, she's a leader, and she gets stuff done. We'll say, well, I don't want that, because uh, she shouldn't be so no. bitchy. If anything, it's going to help her. I oh, don't yeah, think I think it will. I, I don't think she should worry about it. I find that a ridiculous narrative, and, and the media keeps bringing it up. She's a Democrat. I probably wouldn't vote for her, although, you know, I think she's a, 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 a woman of substance. But we are once again into new territory. When Beto's on Meet the Press, and he's asked yet another question he doesn't have an answer for, and he tells Chuck Todd, oh, I, if I knew everything, I wouldn't be out here. I thought, wow, I've never heard a candidate say that before. I think he's trying to say, I'm out here to listen, yeah. not to tell people what to think. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's admirable in a way. <laughs> but if you're going to be the commander in chief, you got to have an opinion about something. I don't know. We'll see if it works. It's a test. It's yet another test of our new politics, whatever they are. Mr. President, the Russians have invaded France. What do we do? We talk about it. We really need to talk about Russia and France. And the whole issue is so important. Yes, we know, but they've overrun Paris. Paris, beautiful town. We should talk about Paris. Not good. So, another thing. I I never call anything sexism (laughs) in politics, usually. And I, I don't say we should read from the manifestos of killers, but... This one from Friday is pretty interesting. Well, to me, the fact that he said, "Watch how I lead the media by the nose." Yeah, if you don't know, if you're not hip, hip to that story, stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Stand up now and... Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. A woman in Oklahoma was arrested after allegedly using a t-shirt cannon to launch contraband into a nearby prison. And she might have gotten away with it if she hadn't played this music while she did it. (laughs) Hilarious. Um, got this text from the text line, 415-295-KFTC. Thought of you this weekend, Jack. I ate two Twinkies, two pieces of beef jerky, and an energy drink. Then I cried inside. <laughs> I'd be following my weekend where I had uh, a bowling alley jumbo hot dog, followed Ooh. by ice cream, cake, and potato chips. Oh, boy. It's a good meal right there. Yama hama. Mm-hmm. Hawaii may become the first state to ban restaurant plastic. No plastic like in the cards? restaurant. No. Or like, uh, like oh, like sporks a, and whatnot. Ah, sporks and whatnot. Okay, straw's not enough. They're going to ban the, uh, the little forks and knives. I do kind of hate plastic. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun. If you got like super cheap metal ones, would people steal them a lot? Or Probably. People are filthy. I'm continuing to hate on A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez, who are now engaged, as they are the most annoying couple that perhaps have ever existed. J-Rod. J-Rod. Um, maybe it's just because I read the New York Post and they're constantly hitting me with the latest J-Rod posts of some sort. Oh, my God. So here's a picture of them getting engaged. Who has a photographer with the picture of the you asking her to marry him and then you post it? And so her going, can, oh! 
<laughs> with her hand to her mouth. What? Right. We, the photographer's been. He, he was in the car ride with us. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, soft heads need, need entertainment too. I guess they might Who be. Might the, they might be the two prettiest fifty-year-olds in the world too. Um, moving on to more substance. We are anti-publicizing killers. Their pictures, their names, their manifestos. Their list of gripes. Because everybody knows it creates more of them. The media does it all the time because they're either stupid or they don't care they're getting more people killed. And the other thing is you don't want to be complicit in the deal where they hand you a stack of bodies and you serve as their publicist and publish everything they want the world to hear. But this particular one in New Zealand, as we've been talking for a couple of days, has a few things that stick out. The online nature of it, the way he understood the way the internet works and the media works and everything like that, the GoPro, the video, the exploiting, the um, the algorithms of all these different platforms so the video went viral, and then his manifesto, which I really am against reading from manifestos. I mean, you that guarantee you creates more killers. Because mm-hmm. you're just saying to some loser somewhere, People will finally get to hear what you think. But this guy, he mentioned particular news outlets. He mentioned the weapon he was going to use. He mentioned all these different things that he said he chose on purpose to make them go viral, to lead the media certain directions, to start to start certain arguments, stupid arguments, because he knows how the game is played around these shootings. He wanted to whip up tension and anger between the left and the right in the U.S. and start a civil war. It's a hell of a deal. And, yeah, it is a hell of a deal. And he was right to a certain extent. A a lot of the stuff that people that he mentioned, you know, throwing some Trump in there, throwing a certain kind of gun in there, all that sort of stuff, started conversations going. You mentioned Candace Owens, who's a right-wing young black woman. Right, exactly. He was feeding the narrative for cable news. He said, here's what I suggest. You talk about Trump being behind this, because I'm going to use some Trumpian language here. I'm going to mention him and Candace Owens, and, and y'all just grab the bait and, and, and start yelling at each other. He lit. That was literally what he said he was going to do. And it happened anyway. Yeah. Well, the, well yeah, the cable news is like hungry dogs. They, they don't possess the ability to think rationally they just leap at meat as far as uh youtube which is google's attempt to not have these kind of videos online uh someone put together a thread on twitter of all the different times youtube has said there's more work to be done YouTube responding to their struggle to contain the New Zealand shooting video said they're trying, but there's more work to be done. Something rings familiar here and went through a whole bunch of other examples through the years. In 2017, after a man live streamed a random murder of a 74-year-old grandfather, there is a lot of work to to be done, and we will keep trying. In 2017, when YouTube spread misinformation about a Texas mass murderer, there's more work to do, and we're making progress. In 2017, when it was discovered Facebook was allowing advertisers to target neo-Nazis and white supremacists, there's more work to be done. And it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, I don't know how seriously they take this stuff, or if it's just an impossible task, they would say. 
Hey, we had one uh, very learned emailer who's been a correspondent for years mention that, yeah, you guys are beating up on Facebook for how long it took them to get uh, underway and remove stuff. It really was more impressive than you're admitting. But then he also said that, um, have you mentioned once that the New Zealand police took more than 36 minutes to arrive on scene at the mosque? I hadn't heard that. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know either. You'd think we'd know that. You don't think it's a legitimate problem to complain about, but the New Zealand police had to tell Facebook somebody was live streaming mass executions that they don't have any human being or algorithm that picks up on that before somebody calls them and tells them. Yeah, I don't know from algorithms. That's crazy. Yeah. You got to do better than that. Hundreds of millions of users, hundreds of hours of video being uploaded or streamed every minute of every day, he says. New Zealand is a tiny country, a backwater where nothing interesting or important ever happens except when it does. For Facebook to take only half an hour to have this video brought to their attention removed is actually a very rapid response time. Put up a video or a picture on Facebook with an exposed female breast and see how quickly it gets removed. You, Joe, go ahead and post something right-wingy about abortion or something on Facebook. See how long it takes to get flagged. Mm. I'd have to be on Facebook, but I think I know how that would end. I'll bet it's practically instantaneous. I wonder. Don't actually post boobs on Facebook. I was trying to make a point. What's oh, coming post up your them n- all over everybody, <laughs> men, women, children. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Have you heard of the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact? It is moving closer to reality and will change the way we elect presidents. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. I hunger for the news, Marshall. I want to know what's going on in the world. And you're the man to tell me. Well, along the lines that you have been talking about this morning, New Zealand's prime minister says she is denying the accused mosque gunman notoriety to elevate his platform of white supremacy. Speaking today before Parliament, Jacinda Ardern says the gunman committed the atrocious attack on two mosques to lift his profile. And to others, I implore you, speak the names of those who were lost rather than the name of the man who took them. Ardern going on to tell New Zealand lawmakers... He sought many things from his act of terror, but one was notoriety. And that is why you will never hear me mention his name. You know, I don't know his name off the top of my head. And I don't know the name of the last several big sorts of these. Right. Nope. I just don't know their names. It used to be we all could say the names of these people, mm-hmm. which turned out to be obviously a bad thing. Right. right. Colorado. You know, this is, I realize this is a tangent, but I'm a little concerned about it. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this guy was an Aussie. He was hanging out in New Zealand, and he was absolutely uh, some sort of white supremacist. Um, but I'm just... I, he was all think... kinds of things reading his manifesto. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Crazy being one of them. Oh, yeah, clearly. Clearly. If you decide that your gripe uh, means you get to kill innocent people, you're crazy by definition. But I'm just... I'm a little concerned, and it's partly political correctness and the media simpletons, but this guy was uh, in the southern hemisphere there uh, over by Asia, and his thing was Muslim immigration. Yeah. And I understand what that has in common with, say, a white supremacist from rural Alabama. Sorry, Alabama, no offense or anything. There are a few of them ooching around. I happen to know that. Um, But that's not the same thing. And it's not motivated by the same 
uh, you know, emotions, well, motivations. It's just, I'm afraid if we leap, if we lump everything into quote-unquote, quote, Jesus, tough to follow me. If we <laughs> lump everything into quote-unquote white supremacy, that is going to paper over some of the really interesting and legitimate problems, for instance, that Europe's had with mass Muslim immigration into various cities and towns. It's fundamentally changed the nature and the culture of those towns. And that is that is a serious demographic problem that every society deals with that has mass immigration. And you can't accuse everybody who says, now nobody speaks English at my school, or French for that matter. Nobody speaks French at my school. You can't call that French person a white supremacist because they are uneasy with certain aspects of right. immigration. I'm just a little concerned about lumping everything together. Gotcha. Colorado's Democratic governor has signed a controversial bill that would give the state's nine electoral college votes to the winner of the national popular vote in presidential elections. This is called... Oh, I haven't heard this idea before. This is called... Now, before you go any further, I was going to point out, Elizabeth Warren last night announced she's for doing away with the electoral college. Several other candidates have come out and said the same thing. So that's a growing trend. This is an interesting idea. The National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is what it's called. It's a little clumsy as far as the name goes, but it's made up of states that pledge to pool their electoral votes for the winner of the national popular vote. The governor, Jared Polis, quietly signed the measure into law on Friday. It is seen as a way for states that traditionally vote Democratic to get their candidate elected president. Right, yeah. If you applied it the only two times it's ever happened, and both times the Democrat would have won the presidential election, I, as opposed to the Republican, I don't think right. it's a coincidence um, that the people behind it have constructed it such. Right. Well, I wonder it, if it would effectively do away with the Electrical College, because nine electoral votes is quite a few. you got to get to 270 to win. Right. I don't know. I haven't crunched the numbers on this. But well, the whole point is a bunch of states band together and do this, and that functionally eliminates the electoral yeah, college. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, as I've said many times, you do that and you are sowing the seeds for awful political violence for the next hundred years. It would take a little while, but once the entire middle of the country that was west of I-95, uh, right along the, the east coast, and east of I-5 on the west coast, once that huge uh, chunk of America realizes they have no say and all presidential elections are decided by coastal metropolises, then things get ugly. If you could visit Los Angeles 50 times as a presidential candidate by going to one place and reach more people than you would reach by going to like 10 other states, which would be true, Mm -hmm. you're going to do that. And you're not going to give a damn about anybody in those states or their needs. They will be neglected. You have designed a system Mm -hmm. where only coastal metropolises get or deserve any attention politically and, and, speaking and even if you had not a candid- morally obviously and even if you had a candidate who ran against that by going to all those states that i was just talking about saying look they don't care about you and that would work as a message that makes the issue being rural versus city yeah and you don't want that either because no. then that would be the defining issue of the election right now it's possible you could get you know, virtually 100% of the vote in the middle of the country and beat the coasts. Um, that could absolutely right. happen. On the other hand, it is so clearly a geographical us versus them. I mean, and and 
you know, uh, metropolitan super metropolis versus everybody else. It's just there's a reason for the Electoral College, and it's brilliant. Do they believe right. that the people that are uh, candidates that are want to do away with the Electoral College? Do they believe, or are they unaware of the? problems with this? I, I Why think, the founding fathers thought this was a good idea? Or is this just a I'm with you? I think it's that. Yeah, it's I think they're pandering. They, they know it. it'll never yeah. happen. Well, Colorado joins 11 other states in the District of Columbia so Stoned far. Stoned Colorado. Please. The pack would take effect after states with a collective 270 electoral votes, the number needed to win the presidency, agree to join with Colorado's nine electoral votes. Boy, it would change the presidential yep. election immediately. Right. I mean, where you go, where you where you spend your time, your ad money and everything like that. Yep. With Colorado's votes, the compact members now have 181. They need 270, but several other states are also considering this compact. What's the least populous state, like North Dakota or Wyoming or something like that? You'd never see an ad. You'd never see a candidate. Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? no kidding. Colorado. Smoke one of your sweet marijuana doobies and go skiing, <laughs> why don't you? That sounds like a pretty good day. Mm. There you go. That's your news. <laughs> that was an insult? That was like a... Hey, why don't you go on vacation, I guess? I don't know. That sounded like a good suggestion. Listen to the dope fiends. Listen to the dope fiends I'm surrounded with. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You want me to legally smoke marijuana and ski in the best skiing in the world? Okay. I got to. I gotta sharpen my old insult tool over here. <laughs> so Recalibrate. We'll yeah. Right. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, why don't you just go like sip some microbrews and surf all day? Yeah, hey, why don't you go have fabulous sex and sleep till noon? <laughs> oh, okay. Man, that's just hurtful. <laughs> what? I can do that. <laughs> oh boy. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. World keeps spinning. Yep. Are you a snowplow parent? You're ruining your children. Oh, I heard about this. It's replaced helicopter parents. Snowplow parents is the thing to be worried about. i got to make sure I'm not one, right? Well, if you want to ruin your children, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sean has vowed to watch the award-winning documentary, The Inventor. That's right. Today, and then we will talk about it tomorrow because it's getting uh, a lot of attention. I've come up with a way to measure a single drop of blood. It's about 200 different tests for... A dollar and, a th- and, and 30 cents. It's about Elizabeth Holmes, who may be the greatest con artist in the history of the world. Anyone or, who gives me $10,000 will end up with several million. Or she actually believed it. But Sean will watch the documentary. We'll talk about it tomorrow. She talks like that. That's why Sean and Joe are doing this mocking voice of Elizabeth what, Holmes. What, like this? It's a little lower, I think. I'm going to throw on a turtleneck and uh, pretend I'm some sort of Steve Jobs with breasts. I think you're right. i got to get lower. Lower? <laughs> I think this is lower than that. Yeah, I think this is probably right. better. This yeah. is... George Schultz is on our board. You know? <laughs> and, uh... Who made the joke first? Was it the Marx Brothers? Because I do it every time, whether it's my kids or my wife or whoever. If I'm 
scratching somebody's back, and I say, how's that? And they say, lower. How's that? I mean, I, I can't not do I that. I do not know who came up with that hilarious innovation company. I think it was the Marx Brothers. <clears throat> Snowplow parents. That's the term people are throwing around. It's the new so, helicopter parents, So let's I guess. back up a second. What yes. are helicopter parents hover over their children. Right. With their arms flapping so they can go stay above them, I guess. Not really, no. no. So it's a metaphor? Yes. Okay. He's Louise. And then, I have to explain everything in this story. Gladiators playing football. It's a metaphor. <laughs> Great. But, so we've all heard of helicopter parents. Now, this. Snowplow well, parents. It's a better description. Because you're not just hovering. You're clearing away obstacles and challenges for your children. And thereby denying them the chance to learn those skills themselves. And they framed the article in the USA Today in the wake of the college admissions bribery scandal, which is kind of, it's an example of this, but um, new poll conducted by the New York Times and Morning Consult, whatever that is, showed that parents don't stop handling things for their children when they become adults in some sh- by some shocking uh, numbers. It sounds in shocking degrees. I read this article it was originally in the, either the Post or the New York Times. And um, it sounded to me like it's something that it's a part of a continuum. You, you're a helicopter parent, and then when they get older and they move out into the world, start <clears throat> trying to adult, you become a snowplow parent. Probably the same people. Well, I, I don't know. It depends how you look at it. There are a hell of a lot of parents who do things for their middle schoolers and high schoolers that they absolutely should not be doing. Mm. They're clearing away obstacles and challenges. So they're snowplowing when the kid's 11, 12 years old. Um, 76% reminded their adult children of deadlines they need to meet, including for schoolwork. Three quarters reminding their kid, hey, don't forget, you have that paper due on Friday. For their adult children. For their grown-ups? Yes. Okay. Yes. Not for grade schoolers. No. I was going to say, I do that for my grade schoolers. 74% made appointments for their adult children, including doctor's appointments. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, some of the smaller numbers are pretty egregious, but if you think about one in seven being, or 15% being roughly one in seven, 15% of parents with children in college had texted them or called them to wake them up so they didn't sleep through a class or test. Wow. I'm sorry, folks. I know you love your kids and you think you're doing what's best for them. That's pathetic. That's, you're, you're, you're not letting them make the mistakes that makes them make them smart and strong. You are raising a cub that never, ever play fights, and the moment it has to fight, it's dead. It's a little dramatic, but I think you see my point. How would you think that would turn out? I mean, that, so I, I wasn't even thinking of those kinds of examples. Um, I mean, you, you could take it to all kinds of levels, and everybody has to draw their own lines, right? <clears throat> you, right. You, you, you give somebody a car, they, don't ha- they will not completely understand how much it costs to buy, how hard it is to get a car, buy it, etc. But lots of people do that. So you, everybody's got to draw their own line. Mm-hmm. But then this one is clear out on this other end, where you're, you're calling them to make sure they wake up in time for class. Right, right. Wow. How do you think that's going to turn out? According to this gal who wrote a... uh, She is the former dean of freshmen at Stanford University, which would be a great uh, learning ground for the subject of her book, which is how to raise an adult, break free of the overparenting trap, and prepare your kid for success. The problem is that parents never let their children grow up. Growing up means making your own decisions and sometimes mistakes. 
quote, the point is to prepare the kid for the road instead of preparing the road for the kid. Uh, she says it's difficult for snowplow parents to break the habit of being the child's fixer. If you're doing it in high school, you can't stop at college. If you're doing it in college, you can't stop when it comes to the workplace. They mentioned that, is it um, uh, 11% of parents with adult children will call their child's employer if he or she had an issue at work? Their adult child yes, yeah, would call. I can't yeah. even imagine. I would be horrified. Oh, my God. My boss comes and says, your, your mom called me this morning. W- what now? My mom called you? Yeah. Oh, my God. That, that would be horrific oh. for every generation but the latest couple. And what's really interesting about this is, as we always remind you, the kids are not raising themselves. The child is not, quote, unquote, no, demanding no, no, this because they can demand no. anything they want. You can't They'll blame get what the kids. I give them. You can't blame the kids. What that. is it about the American character that has made us decide we can't let our kids ever make mistakes or have disappointments? I'll call in your kid, your adult child's boss. Yeah. Say, I understand there was a bit of a flap at work. Now, uh, Junior had a perfectly legitimate reason for being late. I'd like you to under- explain to me what was going on. My only thought as a boss is, how do I get rid of this person? Right. Because this is going to be an ongoing problem. I got one employee and two crazy people. So. That's not a good bargain. <laughs> Yeah, and, and listen, I, I understand a lot of this stuff comes from love, and, and listening to this may be oh, painful sure. to some of, of you. Of course it comes from a, a from a place of wanting the best for your kid. But it's 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 a it's a dumb love. It's an overly dumb simple love. love. It's it's an ill advised love, it's a smothering love, it's a suffocating love. Let your kid fall down. Dumb love. That's a good one. Did you come up with that? Bribing SAT proctors, paying off college officials, lying about the kids' athletic credentials. It's just. See, that a actually symptom. makes more sense to me. That makes more sense. I don't think you're as near as much a crazy person if I found out that you gave $50,000 to Berkeley to get your kid into that university. Right. I don't think you're crazy at if all. If they're I think admitting you're, 18% of qualified kids, I think you you're, think, well, what the hell? I'll I think make you're it manipulative. I don't like it. I don't like that it happened. All kinds of different stuff. But I find out you call your adult kids teachers and bosses and wake them up for their classes and their job, and I think you're a nut. Well, how about calling them in the dorm Isn't and that saying, just, hey, you've got a test today. Are you awake? What do you think of that? I think that's pretty crazy. I think it's crazy, I'm not going to do it. No. Are you kidding? That's your job. You miss a test, you'll learn how to not miss a test. How would I know that you have a test that day? But you've got to get the grades <laughs> to get into a good college, and you got to get a good college. Blah, blah, blah. How am I keeping yeah. track of the fact that you even have a test today? Because wow. you you are that informed. You demand that knowledge. Because you're running the show. Ooh, I'm telling you, there, there needs to be some sort of, uh, this like a, what do you call it, you, you detoxing from that sort of thing. you got to go to some nice ranch in Malibu or something and, and learn to not be so concerned with their every up and down. It, God, you're keeping the bird in the nest. It's sad to me. Yeah, I can't believe that this uh, snowplow thing came out of the college admissions story. It seems like a way bigger mental problem. I don't well, think it's, that, it's been around. I, I mean, feel it, like it's the same playbook. It's just one has the ability to buy their way in. The other one needs feels the need to micromanage to get the same result. Right? I need to get well, my just dumb one kid through college I to get the degree. I don't think the person who photoshopped their kid's head on a 
pole vaulter or whatever needs mental help. Maybe. I think the person who's calling and waking up their kid at the dorm needs needs therapy. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll I'll join you on the second half. I think I, the first half is a symptom of the same thing. Yeah, I think the, the only difference between those usually. two is their net worth. Yeah, that's interesting. I just see the first one is that's the kind of way a lot of powerful rich people manipulate the system. Yeah. The, the, the calling your kid to wake them up so they make it on time. Look, I got you into this university because I'm rich and powerful. I'm not going to wake you up to get you to class. <laughs> well, you have limits. So, all right, one of the things they list is where is it? 14% help them get jobs or internships through prof- their professional network. Now, is that weird and pathetic? I don't think so. Because I'm glad to hear that because I did that. I was in a conversation with a guy the other day, and uh, I don't think that's we're a big talking deal about our kids. And I said, yeah, my youngest is in college. And he said, we got a great internship program. You should have her call. I don't feel like I'm snow plowing. I don't know. No, I don't think that's a thing. I think that's not even in the same ballpark as she'll get it on her own. Calling your kids in the dorm and saying, remember, you got a test today. Holy crap. Let your kid fail. It is the best, most generous, kind and loving thing you can do for them. Seriously. My parents wouldn't have known when I had the test and they wouldn't have known if I showed up or not. How would they be that involved in my day? Snowplow mounted on a helicopter. (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.